0: Hello everyone, welcome to another episode of the Blue Butterfly Effect podcast. I am Millie Murillo, intuitive astrologer and spiritual co- and spiritual coach. Let me start that again. Intuitive astrologer and spiritual co- coach. Oh my
1: god, I'm oh going oh
0: Guess it doesn't matter. One more time, if it lands, <laughs> so it lands. Okay. I am Lily Murillo, intuitive astrologer and spiritual coach. I am here with my co-host Ashley Torrent. You're doing great. Oh That's God. exactly my right. Psycho spiritual counselor and
1: intuitive medium. Intuitive medium. <laughs> Sorry, I <I'm> am <loud>. laughing. The medium's great. Uh, Ashley Torrent,
0: psycho spiritual counselor and intuitive medium. We are here to talk today about reclaiming audacity. Thank you so much for, you know, bringing this topic, Ashley. I mean, it makes so much sense. So this topic came after we had talked about what we wanted to talk about throughout the season, what we wanted it to look like. And it came after because we are actually co-hosting a retreat in June in Costa Rica with Two powerful, intelligent, beautiful women who are also, they're also therapists and, and seekers. A lot of you out there may know who they are. They are Danae Logan and Vanessa Bennett. And we call this reclaiming audacity because we see this energetic shift happening. I see it from an astrological perspective. I think that I don't want to speak for everyone, but I think that we can intuit that something is shifting. And I think that we can also see it in our clients. So reclaiming audacity, just that alone feels so impactful. And, and I want to start there. I, I want to start with what that brings up for you and how it feels for you.
1: Well, I remember when we were tossing words around, you know, names and words around of this. And one of them was audacity. And that word this year has just been, I'm very pulled to it. It's like my soul's pulled to it. And my human doesn't really understand it yet or actually I'm starting to understand it, but you know, audacity is the willingness. The definition is the willingness to take bold risks. And I was thinking about this. So many of us, I think it's inherently dangerous for for us to take risks, bold risks, or to be ourselves, to be our most authentic version of ourselves. I think that is inherently risky. What I feel this is that we've been trained or tamed not to be audacious. Mm -hmm. And, I don't think it's just men, women. I think it's men too. Men are not allowed or supported often in being audacious about the way they feel and the way they want to express themselves that goes against the patriarchy. And I think as women, we've been tamed, taught to endure some suffering and some ways of being. I feel like we've been tamed to tone it down, to tone down our light, tone down our personalities, our hearts in so many ways. So I'm really fascinated with this because I know in my own journey, I feel like all of my healing has been a reclaiming of myself. You know, I think that's what healing is, a reclaiming of my soul and myself. And I feel like as we move towards reclaiming the audacity to be who we are truly meant to be, despite what we've been through or what has happened to us. So that's what it means to me. Yeah. How about you?
0: <laughs> well, that's such a that's such a beautiful encapsulation of that term. So, and I think that in that definition, there are so many other variables, right? So for instance, what stands out to me is what does it mean to be authentic? This is a word that has stood out to me because on the one hand, we have been, you know, conditioned or shunned from expressing ourselves from not taking up space from, you know, we not speaking our truths, or sometimes even not following our own dreams. Mm. And then on the other hand, while simultaneously, we're living in a time in which more and more people are showing their face online, more and more people are sharing a story, more and more people are sharing something of themselves. I think that that's where the notion of authenticity can get a little murky as introverts <laughs> i think that at least for me i'll speak for myself every single time that i go online especially like to show my face on camera every single time it's a it's a thing it's a thing that i have to prepare for it's not just something where i can pull up my phone and and you know put it in my face and start talking that's not how i work and so if people aren't showing their faces online and and sharing something about themselves then they're being labeled as inauthentic and i think mm. that that's wow. really I didn't know that that's really Ooh. interesting because being authentic doesn't mean that you just put yourself out there and just divulge all of the things about yourself especially if you're not ready, if it doesn't feel honest to you, if it's not you, it doesn't mean that someone is hiding something or that they're being inauthentic. It it can mean an array of things. And on the flip side, on the flip side, just because someone is constantly showing themselves in whatever way, doesn't necessarily mean that they are being authentic. So bringing back to reclaiming audacity, I think being authentic is living a life of integrity because what you're doing feels aligned with who you are. That is a way of reclaiming audacity of being able to express yourself in your life that feels the most honest to you. Mm I think that is audacious because again there is this feeling of having to sometimes follow a group or follow the shoulds and not everybody feels that way or the shoulds don't align with everyone. Mm-hmm. So for me it's been something that I've been observing especially this year especially with the astrological climate that that we're experiencing.
1: I so appreciate you said that cuz you know I've played around with different things you know on the online platform and most of the time, I just don't have anything more to say. <laughs> you know, That feels authentic to me. I mean, and I talk to people all week. So my job is to talk to people one-on-one or I teach in class. You know, I, I meet with people and it feels very inauthentic to me to feel like I have to go on there and say more. And that's hard because mm-hmm. it's hard to build me if you don't have anything more to say. But I work really hard to be authentic in our podcast, right. the one with my husband, and to be authentic in my clients and in my teaching spaces. But, you know, the idea that we're hiding we're not showing up in that way just seems like a crock of shit to me. Right. <laughs> and you can tell. We've talked about this a lot. You can tell when someone's not being authentic. And I really love those people that can okay. go on there and have a camera in their face. They share their life. It's so natural to them. And... I know for me it just doesn't seem natural. And maybe someday that'll change. Maybe on my own healing journey, I'll want to do that. And maybe I never will. And does it really matter? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I think as far as like business goes, for those of us with a business, you know, you always say this. I have to believe that what's for me will be for me, exactly. will be coming for me. And I'll do what I can. But if I stretch myself in a way that compromises my integrity then I'm not trusting that what is for me is for me. And I think that could be a whole nother conversation.
0: (laughs) Yes. yes. (laughs) I'm it in. (laughs) Yes. And I think that's that's just a great philosophy for life in general, right? Anything that is meant for us will align with us. And and here's the, the caveat. Anything and anyone that is genuinely meant for us will align with us as soon as we align with ourselves and i think that this is a huge yeah. component of reclaiming audacity reclaiming the audacity to be ourselves what i'm noticing is that <laughs> reclaiming this audacity actually feels new or it feels like it's a part of us that we haven't had access to in a long long time yeah so speaking our truths right living in our truth honoring our intuition all of those things that, especially when, when we were children, we were so in tuned with just very naturally. And then, of course, you know, we get older, life happens, everything that has happened in between dulls that, it, it dulls the connection with it to the point where we do get very disconnected from those parts of ourselves. And so when we align with ourselves, when we reclaim that part of ourselves, I think this has a lot to do with reclaiming our intuition. Mm -hmm. That's when those things outside of us that we genuinely desire. That's when
1: they start clicking. Mm -hmm. Another thing that occurred to me about reclaiming audacity is when we choose to thrive rather than endure suffering or endure scarcity. You know, to choose to like be abundant and and feel entitled to that abundance. I've just been really thinking about how often women are taught to endure situations, relationships, experiences, pain, Mm -hmm. just pain, suffering. Mm -hmm. Because I think just with our own bodies, we've been so disconnected from like our cycles and things, and they're really painful. You know, I think of, cycles. I think of menopause, perimenopause, birth, all the things. And men go through their own things. But I just think women have been taught to push through and endure. And I think there's something about reclaiming our right to thrive and feel good and feel well and acknowledge what's going on for us and not be ashamed of it and not have to hide it. There is so
0: much of what we do as women that is very intuitive and natural when we pay attention i think that we naturally think a few steps ahead because we have this innate sense of care and that's a fine line right because on the one hand it can be trauma and expecting the worst and catastrophizing and all of those things but i also think that there is something very natural and inherent about a woman being able to intuit this is what we're going to i don't know need this is what This is how we can better hold space for people. This is how we can mind everyone in the room. Mm -hmm. And so again, because of the way that we've been conditioned in the society that we've grown up in, that we live in, that part has just been so shut off because we've had to worry about competition. We've had to worry about, you know doing better, making more, getting educated, just to be at the level of of men. And I'm saying all of these things. And I'm like, we don't have to be at anyone's level. No. We have never had to step into this role of grinding away when so naturally we are so capable and there is no one to compete with. And so having the audacity to reclaim that is going to, I think, look like slowing right. down enough, this is, sort of yeah. slowing down enough to understand, yes, there is enough abundance. I think having the audacity to reclaim that is going to require that we take a hard look at ourselves and the relationships that we've built or haven't because of that conditioning that we have been under for many, many, many years.
1: Mm. And I I feel like people are going to look at those of us willing to do this to reclaim like living an intuitive life. They're going to be like, well, it looks like you're not trying very hard. It looks like you're not doing much. (laughs) And for me personally, I'm going to be like, right. Because what I know is living an intuitive life is so much easier. It takes so much less effort. It's so much less hard. It's so much less exhausting. I hope stressful, busy, exhausting, hard. Let's just toss all those out the window. I want soft, Playful, joyful, creative, receptive, open, intuitive. Those are words I want to start hearing. And I feel people will look and go, wow, you! who do you think you are to live that way? Uh I remember hearing that as a child. Who do you think you are? And those words, I don't know if anyone ever said those to you, but they were Uh said often to me. And those are powerful words. But I feel like as we turn towards this more intuitive way of living... There's going to be people who are like, who do you think you are? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Two things come up for me with that.
0: I think that one is also understanding that we can also ask ourselves the same question because of this internalized conditioning, the internalized patriarchy. It's like, that's such a good point. Who do I think I am to dream that big? I think there was a, I think. So, I follow this comedian. She's Mexican American. Her name is Angela Johnson. And I think she recently released a book called Who Do I Think I Am? She talks about her journey of growing up Mexican American in San Jose, California, and then dreaming to be in entertainment. And she's a comedian and an actress. And so, having these really big dreams and nothing around her to support that dream. So, I think that it's important to remember that we too ask ourselves that question, who do I think I am? Whether it's it's that directly or not. That's such a good point. Yeah. And the second thing that I wanted to add is that I think reclaiming our audacity, and I think we have to be mindful of this because again, it's this wiring. It's, it's the way that we've been wired to think that things have to look a certain way. You mentioned, you brought up, I I want to live, it doesn't have to be stressful, it gets to be softer, I get to be more present, more playful, more joyful. Please remember those things get to look like whatever they get to look like for you. And here's why I'm saying this. Because what came to mind is a client that that I've had for a few years, and she has a very high C-level corporate type of job, and she's a coach. She works a lot, but this woman loves her life. She loves her life. She loves her corporate C level job. She loves coaching. She loves who she is. She loves where she lives. She loves how she lives her life. And so I think that a huge component of reclaiming audacity is being intentional with the life that we create and making sure that however much or however little we do, that it's not about, again, how much or how little, it's about. How are we connected to what it is that we do, regardless of how much it is
1: that we do? Right. That's a a beautiful point. And it goes back to that authenticity. What looks soft, playful, creative, easy, intuitive to me may look completely different to another person. And it's really how we hold it within ourselves and how it feels in our body and honoring what feels right to our own rhythms and our own hearts. Yeah. So... I was curious, would you like to share a story when you reclaimed your audacity? Because I'm yeah. sure there have been many.
0: <laughs> yeah, there, there, are, there are many. And I, and I was thinking about what to share. But I think I'll share you know the most recent, I don't know, acknowledgement of reclaiming my audacity just because it's fresh and, and, and it's, it's powerful. It, it's at an important point in my life. So I've talked about this before a little bit. In 2022, I dedicated my healing journey to working with a somatic coach around my trauma regarding money and abundance and how to run my business from a space of abundance, right? And so the way she works is is just amazing. And I don't know, she's she's a healer, truly. We worked somatically. We worked on my nervous system for me to connect with my work in abundance in a different way. So this, this has been over the course of actually more than a year, about a year and a half now. And over time I have found myself making different decisions around my business and getting okay with you know, how much I'm going to charge and and being mindful of my time. And a lot of these things that had to do with me healing this part of myself. And so what I was healing is not coming from a place of what's going to happen. If, if I don't sell something, I'm just going to be destitute and, <laughs> and not coming from that space, but understanding that just because that was my experience for such a big part of my life, it didn't mean that I had to continue bringing that story into the life that I'm trying to so intentionally build and connect with. So what happened is that not too long ago, I went on a trip to Mexico City. That trip brought up a lot of things, brought up a lot of important conversations between my partner and I. There were a lot of delays. It was a beautiful trip with a lot of excitement. But there was also a lot of stress. And that's what brought up a lot of things in me that I started thinking to myself, I'm not the same person. I'm a person that wants more. I'm a person that is not just going along for the ride. I'm a person that has expectations and I respect my time and I expect for my time to be respected. So a lot of these things that I would in the past not say in moments of stress, I expressed and it felt okay with my body. Now, Mm -hmm. one of the things that ended up happening is that we were so delayed in Mexico City that we had to stay an extra two days because for flight reasons and all of the things. So I ended up booking two nights at a hotel that I would have never thought that I was ever going to stay at. And what that did was I, I thought about it and I said, yeah, I'm gonna book two nights there. And what it felt like in my body, it was just calm. It just made sense. It was the next logical step. I use that phrase, the next logical step a lot, and I learned it from, from the teachings of Abraham Hicks. And I think that it's important to remember that when things feel right in your body, the next thing to do will show up as the next logical step. Mm-hmm. And so at that point, it wasn't so much about, am I doing the right thing? Can I even afford this? It wasn't about that. It was about, this is what I need right now. And yes, I can afford it yes, I can afford it because I have worked hard because I deserve it. And mm-hmm. it was probably out of a whole week, it was the two days that were <laughs> best days in Mexico City. So that was kind of a long story. But for me to reclaim that part of myself and to say, I get to do nice things. One, because I've worked on my nervous system to feel that I even deserve it. Therefore, when I work on my nervous system to believe that I deserve things, my mind is going to go somewhere else. My mind is going to be attentive to other things. Solutions are going to come from different places that they haven't come from before. And I also deserve it because I've worked hard to be able to afford something like this. From someone who has had to sleep in a car before, who hasn't had food in the refrigerator before, and those Mm -hmm. moments to impact so much of who I am, to now be able to do this from a space of abundance and calm,
1: that is me reclaiming my audacity to say, I don't have to come from a lack mentality. I love that story. (laughs) I really do. I think it's so powerful and it's just life changing. There's no going back, right? Yeah. There's no going back. Oh, wow. There is. isn't. Yeah. Yeah. What I love about that story is that, you know, reclaiming audacity doesn't have to be leaving a marriage or quitting a job. It's in moments in our day. I feel like in a conversation where we decide to speak our truth we decide to take up a little more space where we say no, and we want to say no, we, we are having a difficult time and we choose to give comfort to ourselves and stay in a luxurious hotel that we have worked hard and deserve, you know? So I think it's such a great example of, there's a spectrum of ways, small and big and Mm -hmm. in between that we can do this. And, that, I know, wasn't a small step, but it was a two-day moment, right? Right. You know, and, I, and so I want to just share that with whoever's listening, that it can look like many moments and many opportunities. Absolutely. I think that part of reclaiming audacity
0: also has to do with reclaiming our time, reclaiming our presence, to be present enough with ourselves to understand that at any moment, we get to reclaim a part of ourselves. But we have to be present enough. And that
1: is powerful in itself. Yeah, totally. Totally. As I'm sitting here, I'm like, I'm like, what's that? I don't know what story. <laughs> it's like trying to pick one, right? Yeah. It's like, oh my God, I don't know. When I was thinking about the story I would share, I think the first moment of my life where I reclaimed audacity was when I ended my relationship with my mother. I remember I was 26 years old and after years of being on what I call the hope train with her of her being really mentally ill, abusive, and then her getting help and then getting hopeful and then her falling back into her old patterns. And it was just this cycle on and on again that I was just on the hope train, hoping things would get better, but things never did. And I remember the day she called me and she said, she's going to AA. She was ready to get help. And I was so hopeful. I was so excited. And the two weeks later, she called me back and she said, Oh, I don't need AA. I'm doing fine on my own. And my body was just like, enough, enough, no more. And I didn't say a word. I just slammed the phone down. And I had the audacity to never pick it up again. And Mm -hmm. you have to understand... This woman does not take no easily has never taken no she 's full of rage she 's the kind of person that continued to call me, stalk me, leaving messages. She was the kind of person that would leave messages on my answer machines when I was living with other people in college. She would show up in places you know write write Facebook messages to people I knew in high school, you know saying things about me. you know this oh is not God. a woman who takes no for an answer, and I tried to say no for years. I tried to exit out of that relationship many times, but I just never could. It was just too terrifying to me. So on this day, I remember I just shut it off. And I later got in a cab that night and my phone rang and I picked it up and I saw it was her and I just threw it across, across the cab. And I remember from then on, I didn't listen to her messages. I didn't pick up the phone and God, that was uh, 22 yeah. years later. But more than ending my relationship with my mother, what had happened to me over those years of living with my family, my father included, I grew up in a Christian fundamentalist family. They were very conservative. I'm not going to say we, because I never followed those beliefs. They were very conservative. I grew up in an intolerant of other cultures, other races of homosexuality. I grew up in just an environment that was very intolerant, intolerant of women. There was a lot of misogyny. And I remember one day after leaving my relationship with my mother. And then I shortly after ended my relationship with my father. I remember looking in the mirror and I just looked like a bird. I have this image in my head. I looked like a bird whose wings had been clipped. It was just there. I couldn't fly, couldn't spread them. You know, I just had nothing left of me. Everything about me had been the way I looked, what I wore, what I was told to believe. Everything had been stripped away and I just felt naked, like a wet bird who couldn't fly. And then from that moment on, it wasn't overnight, but my life from 26 was slowly grabbing and reclaiming pieces of myself. Like, what do I believe? I no longer believe in the Christian church. Now, if you do, that's your business. I I don't have any problem with that. But for me, it didn't work. I don't believe in a God that's okay. So what do I believe? I don't want to be around people that are hateful. But who do I want to be around? I look in the mirror and I don't recognize myself because I look like what someone else created. Now, what do I want to look like? What feels right for me? And I lived in the East Village of New York. And I remember I walked down St. Mark's. This was got 20 years ago and I found a rock and roll shop and I just started buying things. It was the first time I ever felt like I got a silver studded rock and roll belt. I got a little rock and roll (laughs) t-shirt. I cut my hair. I dyed my hair and I just looked in the mirror like a couple of weeks later and I was like, felt more and more like me. So this is a long story as well. But my moment was like, after having been stripped down to nothing, deciding no more, who am I going to become that's the most authentic version of myself? And I feel like for the past 22 years, I have reclaimed those moments of myself over and over again through my healing process. So that's my story. (laughs) Adios (laughs) to those people. (laughs) Thank you. You Have a you have me tearing up here. That is,
0: that's, that takes so much courage. All of that. All of that takes so much courage because it has to start. And that courage starts with trusting what we know. I really love that you talked about, you know, being on that hope train, hoping and hoping and hoping this time will be different Mm -hmm. this time. Okay. Maybe this time. And for those of you listening, I invite you to think about what situation have you been in where you're on that hope train, you're on that hope oh train, and it looks like a lot of different things. Yes. And that moment where, where it clicked for you, like hanging up the phone, I'm not picking it up again. That changed the trajectory of your life.
1: Completely. And it was because I listened to my body. My body was like, no more, no more. Mm -hmm. And if I hadn't listened, I would have just kept going. Exactly.
0: I think that is the most
1: audacious reclaiming we
0: can make the listening to our body it all starts Mm. there so as as you're sharing your story it it evokes so much emotion because think about how lonely it can feel to reclaim you i think we do go through that transition that transition of Mm -hmm. this is who i was and, and and everything around me including my relationships that supported this identity. And I said, no. And in that moment, you began to transition into who you are now. Look, I think that reclaiming audacity, that sounds empowering. It sounds exciting. It sounds sexy, right? It's like, oh, I want to reclaim my audacity. Y'all, like, (laughs) reclaiming our audacity in a world that doesn't support us being audacious is an act of rebellion and is I think one of the most
1: courageous
0: things that we can do in our
1: lives, period. I agree. And and our culture supports it if you're famous, mm-hmm. if you're a rock star or a pop star, or you're an athlete. Mm-hmm. But to just be a human, mm-hmm. you know, in your neighborhood or your family, wherever you live at your job, whatever that looks like to, to have the audacity to be bold and be yourself and speak your truth and live yourself in a community that rewards like mindedness and followers is really hard. We were going to talk about why we do this, but I think this is a moment where how might be important because what it requires to do this, it requires self awareness, mm. right? It requires the ability to look at ourselves honest. Honestly to look at ways we're behaving that may not be aligned with who we actually are are we are we participating in like a collective way of thinking or behaving that goes against like who our true nature, whatever that looks like? And it requires us looking at Repress parts of us that are in our shadow you know those pieces of us that are in the dark like maybe we're a creative but we're actually living in a more left brain life maybe we're someone who has a fiery nature who sometimes gets angry and would like to stand in their truth a little bit more boldly but we've been taught that anger is inappropriate or not okay or especially for a woman it's bitchy mm-hmm. so awareness is an honesty with ourselves and just to just to take it even a little further I think. Self-awareness
0: and self-acceptance. I've called this in in my se- in my sessions reclaiming our crazy, um, oh, because a lot of times what we deem as crazy in us is because someone else has judged us as being crazy, and we've internalized that. So let's reclaim the crazy. Let's go down right the list of things that according to you or someone else make you crazy, air quotes, right? Is it really that you are crazy, which is such an awful word, or is it that maybe at some point you had enough of someone's shit and you stated it And then they tried to manipulate you by calling you crazy and think about how much bullshit there is in the world that we are allowed to just be over. We're over it. And is it really that? So when we come to a point of self-acceptance, this is this is who I am right now right? This is who I am right now. This is the shit that pisses me off. These are the things that I would like to experience. Everything. When we have that level of self-acceptance and we're honest about it, that in itself is is a huge reclaiming of audacity. Then we have a much more honest space to evolve from right? Because we also have to keep that. We also want to keep that in mind that to be self-aware, to accept ourselves fully is in fact to evolve and and hopefully, you know, be of better service to ourselves, to the world, be a contributor to, to society at large from, from a different space. But I like to call it reclaiming the crazy. And I've worked on this with clients because once we get down to what they deem makes them again, air quotes, crazy is it's not that crazy, (laughs) It's not that
1: crazy. How other people have seen them or put on them has created this story or this narrative about themselves. And when you reclaim the crazy, you transform that narrative. You know, You flip the narrative into... And then you create a new story. So if the most beautiful, authentic things about you are technically crazy Mm -hmm. or in your shadow, and you bring those into the light or you accept those things about yourself, rewrite a narrative about who you actually are. That's what I did all those years ago. I stood and faced myself and I was like, who am I actually, you know, like starting with how I wanted to dress. That was like, you know, one of the most basic things because the wrong clothes have been put on my body my whole life. Who do you become when you reclaim your crazy, you reclaim your audacity, when you step into your authenticity? What beautiful story do you begin to tell about yourself, you know, rather than an ugly one or one built in shame? You know, it sounds cheesy, but we're all snowflakes. So what does your snowflake look like when you reclaim that? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's just this, you know, and going back on a spiritual level, we are each a unique expression of the divine. The divine chose to express itself in each of us, not to be the same, but to experience that which it already isn't. And to do that, it would get very boring if we were all the same. The divine energy wouldn't get to express itself differently. So each one of us are meant to be yeah. different. Yeah. Uh. That's so beautiful. And I, and I want to touch on the astrology a little bit because
0: we did want to talk about this topic because it is a beautiful topic. I think that people are experiencing a way of reclaiming. And also, of course, because this is what our retreat is all about. So currently, Ashley and I are recording this a few days before the first solar eclipse of this, of this season. So we are recording this a few days before April 20th, 2023. On April 20th, 2023, we are going to have a solar eclipse in the sign of Aries, which is a new moon eclipse in the sign of Aries, but it's at 29 degrees Aries. So I'm going to nerd out on astrology a little bit here because I think that that it matters a new moon represents a new beginning. That's true for any new moon. A new moon eclipse is a new moon times three, which definitely represents a new beginning. Eclipses are new beginnings or endings for that matter that have to do with our soul's purpose. So the difference between a regular lunar event, like a new moon or a full moon, or an eclipse, whether it's solar or lunar, is that during eclipses, we are being aligned exactly with what is meant for us, and we are being diverted, if you will, away from that which is not meant for our soul's evolution and growth. So here we are, really at the peak, at the mist of, of this opening, which by the way, we haven't had eclipses in Aries in, in nine years. So this is, this is a big deal. This is a, a coming back to self kind of thing. Aries is the first sign of the zodiac. The theme of Aries is I am. So here we have a powerful eclipse in a sign we haven't had eclipses in in nine years. And the theme of that sign is I am. So when you were saying, who am I? Who do I want to be? Where do I even begin? Is so in line with what we're experiencing right now astrologically. Mm. Now, This is happening at 29 degrees Aries. The degrees in the zodiac matter a lot. Each sign is made up of 30 degrees. The fact that this is happening at 29 degrees means that it's happening at the very last degree of the sign. That means that in order for us to step into the who am I now, something has to end. The 29th degree of Aries tells us that something has come to an end and that has to end in order for this new us to emerge. I did my best to keep it short but there's so much more I can say about this, but how appropriate is this theme for what the cosmos are asking us to reclaim? They're asking us to reclaim ourselves. They're asking us to reclaim who we want to be. This is all happening in the middle of Pluto, the planet of transformation and the shadow moving from one sign to another. Pluto leaving the sign of Capricorn after 15 years and moving into Aquarius, which is the sign of of rebellion. So here we have an activation of the sign of rebellion and an activation of Aries is who am I? That to me feels like it is a rebellious act to be the self. And how Mm. will that impact the rest of our lives or at the very least the next 20 years? And so this is what we're experiencing now. This is very active. It has been active really since March. It will continue to be active through June. And so in our retreat, we will be technically out of eclipse season, but that's just the beginning of integration because we still have another full moon eclipse at the beginning of May. It's a full moon eclipse in Scorpio. Eclipses are a time that shake us up to wake us up. And so I love that our retreat is happening at the time that it's happening because we get to integrate intensively
1: everything that we are discovering about Mm -hmm. ourselves right now. Um, You explained all of that beautifully, which I think is a good transition into the importance of it's so beautiful to do this for ourselves. And some people might think it's selfish to live audaciously or entitled. And what does that look like? But the truth is we have to, we have no choice. If we want a harmonious world, a harmonious community, harmonious cultures, it starts with us as individuals. And when we talk about healing the collective, what we're talking about is bringing light into the shadow places, you know, places where there's hate and fear, where our world is out of alignment with the planet, with our communities, with ourselves, with our government, all of those things. And where, wherever you stand, you know, to me, it doesn't matter if you're on the right or the left or in the middle or wherever you stand. The important thing is to remember that if we're not being true to ourselves, then we're not being true to the collective people, your family, your community, again, and we can't have harmony. We can't have harmony. We can't have peace. We can't have change. We can't live to our highest potential or be in a place of acting through our highest good if we don't do this for ourselves. Because everything we do, because we're all connected... Everything we do affects the other. Mm-hmm. And so it's important to remember that it's not selfish to do this. It's not selfish. It's not entitled. It's actually our divine right mm-hmm. is to live audaciously and to live boldly. And it's, it's a shame and a waste if we don't. I think it's more selfish mm-hmm. if we choose to stay small and hidden and quiet and weak. Mm-hmm. And healing is fucking hard, excuse me, but it's hard. Mm-hmm. But if we don't do it, then we do stay all those things. And I do think at some point I mean I'm not saying if you're not able to heal self-healing does take courage what I'm saying is we have to try we have to start with self-awareness and step on that path and see what's there for us yeah one of the one of the lessons that has come to me
0: time and time again is that when I'm at a point in my life where I am not and I've come to learn this now I've come to learn what it looks like I've come to learn to identify it that when I am not living on that growth edge when I'm not pushing my own limits a little bit when I am not being audacious enough in my life. And mind you, I think that reclaiming our audacity can come in doses, right? Mm -hmm. I think that you and I shared stories where we made a big decision, but there were things that led up to that. And so when we are not living from that space, that's when we begin to experience depression, sadness, a sense of being lost. I don't, I don't know what I want to do. I don't know who I am. I don't, what's the point? What is the meaning of this? Why am I doing what I'm doing? That's a actually a really great indicator. And those are actually really great questions that are meant to guide you inward and not just ask yourself those questions, but actually do something about it. Mm-hmm. And all of that takes time and all of that has its own pace. But when we don't have the courage to step into that, our soul dies. Yeah. The light inside of us really dims a lot. Really does. And so to your point, it is our divine right to live from that space. It is our divine responsibility. There is something in all of us. And again, it doesn't have to look like anything specific. It just has to feel like, oh, this feels connected. This feels aligned. This feels again, like the next logical step. And I I want to reiterate that a little bit because I think that a lot of times when we speak of these processes, we can miss the logic. We can miss the practicality in it all. It's interesting what happens when we begin to live from a space of where we reclaim our audacity, where we live in a space that's much more authentic. Everything actually tends to become a little more practical. It's like, oh, duh, that's the next thing to do. Of course, that's the next Mm -hmm. thing to do. And even that takes to remembering this
1: is a process doesn't happen overnight. I know for me personally, I've been reclaiming this for, like I said, over 22 years, and there's still more that I'm working on. And I'm sure I will be working on until I leave this earth, but it's a powerful process and it's a moment to moment thing, or it's big moments. And like Millie said, if you're experiencing suffering, that's a sign you're probably out of alignment. No, it is a sign you're Mm -hmm. out of alignment with your purpose, with your soul, with your body. And it's important to take a look at that and be bold enough to ask yourself the question, like, where am I out of alignment and how can I get back in alignment? What is one small thing that I could do to move towards my truth?
0: Just to help you all integrate this episode a little bit, because it's, it's a big topic. And again, I, I, I've taken these questions from the Zodiac and, and what they have to teach us. Aries asks us, who am I? Who am I? I like. I have a private group on Telegram. And so one of the things that I've been talking about recently has been reintroducing yourself to yourself. I really invite you to do that, especially during eclipse season, which is again from March 2023 through June 2023. Who am I? And the reintroduction of yourself. Who am I now? Who am I now? And then... What the sign of Taurus invites us to ask ourselves is, what do I need? What do I need to feel a sense of groundedness in my life, a sense of safety in my life? How do I connect with that? Hopefully those questions are, are a place to begin. I know that there are a lot of people out there who are avid journalers, and I think that's great. And if you're not, you know, like the traditional journaler, take these questions and ponder them on a hike, on a walk. Whatever it is, who am I now? And what do I really need? And see where that takes us Those are you. great
1: questions. I'm going to take those and start journaling on those this week. <laughs> <laughs> so if you're interested in joining us on our retreat, it's in Nosara, Costa Rica, June 3rd through June 10th. And we will have links on both our Instagram pages to that retreat. If you're interested, there are still a few spots open. We would love you to join us. Also, I would love if y'all wouldn't mind rating and review wherever you listen to our podcast. We would really appreciate that. And feel free on our Instagram page, feel free to reach out to us or you can reach out to me individually. Millie, are you okay with that? Yeah, yeah. You know, If you have questions or comments or there's any topic you would like us to discuss, we always welcome feedback. And I just want to say thank you to all of you who have given us feedback and just sent your gratitude and appreciation to us. We we just really appreciate it. It makes yeah. our day. Thank you so much.
0: Thank you, Ashley, for for bringing up this topic. It's such a pleasure to, to talk
1: to you about it. Yeah, I feel the same. Okay, until next time. Bye, everyone.